0: hear now God's holy word, for this is God's true word. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord said, sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way that they went up from out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Am- Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among That I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was told to Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and went passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be, to, be you to the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, Are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted... The Amalekites to destruction, but the people took the spoil, the sheep, the ox, and the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, and as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of divination." And presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. And he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul bowed before the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul, and Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. So ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, this is your word, and Lord, we pray that you would give us open ears and soft hearts to receive What you would say to us this morning, would you give me clarity of speech, the clear mind as I speak of your word, as I proclaim your word this morning. Lord, teach us and instruct us and and draw us close to yourself. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What is the non-negotiable? of your life the one controlling principle around which everything else is measured the the thing that will cause or could cause everything else to slip or move in order to make way for it for many of us that is work such people would say i will do everything in my power as much as it depends on me i will Fulfill or exceed the demands placed on me by my employer. Everything else um, will make way in order to accomplish that purpose. Uh, For others of us, it is uh, family that is the non-negotiable. Family comes first. Or perhaps it's um, a desire for peace, an avoidance of conflict, a, a restoration after conflict. Everything stops in order to bring peace, or perhaps it's uh, individual liberty, or personal autonomy, Uh, the the desire within us to say, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it in the way that I want to do it, and I'm going to believe what I want to believe the way I want to believe it. Beloved, the only non-negotiable that is acceptable in the eyes of our God is unreserved, unqualified, absolute devotion to God himself as expressed in unqualified obedience to his will in every time, in every place, in every way. And in another way of putting it, a whole life, in every aspect of life, whole life of worship, before our God. Anything less, anything other than this, puts someone or something else on this, at least the same level, if not a higher level, than God Himself, and it is idolatry. It is rebellion against God Himself, it is high treason against the King of Kings. And such devotion, such submission to God must be authentic and it must be complete. God knows our hearts. He sees all things. His eyes are pure. He is not duped by our excuses. And for our God it is personal. He has created all things for himself. He is the only one that is worthy of of our worship and for us who are in christ jesus he has entered into covenant with us and he has said i will be your god and you will be my people he is the only one that is worthy of being a non-negotiable in our lives and as we come to this passage here in first samuel chapter 15 that is the principle that we see that god is not appeased by cheap substitutes for absolute devotion to him. He is not interested in only having from us our outward works and practices. He wants all of us. He wants our heart and our mind and our will. He's not looking for mere outward words of praise. He wants us. He wants you. He wants all of you. Now this passage begins with an authoritative message from an authoritative messenger. Samuel says to Saul, he says, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people of Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. It was God who sent Samuel. It was God who anointed Saul And now God is sending Samuel with a word for him. And he says, listen up. This is what God himself says. It says in verse 2, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Amalek was one of the enemies of God's people. They were descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother, and you might remember the story, it's in Exodus chapter 17, as the Israelites were coming out of Egypt and on their way to Mount Sinai, Amalek attacked Israel in the wilderness, and they were ruthless and cruel. And of all the enemies, there were many enemies that the people of God had. Amalek seemed to be one that God had particular disdain for and had a particular intention to show his vengeance. And in that event, after the the Israelites defeated Amalek, the Lord said to Moses, this is Exodus chapter 17, he said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. and Moses did just that. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, as Moses is giving his last words to the people of Israel before he died, and Joshua took over, Moses said this, he said, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way you came out of Egypt, how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail, those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. And the Lord had not forgotten. Here in 1 Samuel chapter 15, God said, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel. He had written it on a post-it note, and stuck it to the throne. And he said, vengeance is coming. Now, he speaks with authority through his authoritative messenger to Saul and says, you now, as king of Israel, have been tasked to execute my vengeance upon Amalek. Wipe them out. Destroy them completely. Do not spare them. Bring utter Victory. Blot them out. Brothers and sisters, if you are in any way taken aback by the severity of God's command to Saul, what you and I have to realize is that this is actually one of the most wonderful and glorious truths that is for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because one part of the glorious gospel of grace is that God will not forget to execute vengeance upon his enemies. He has, re- he has appointed a man to be king who will execute justice. He has a- circled a day on his calendar when all his enemies will be utterly destroyed. and It is coming, and it will be glorious. And for us who are in Christ Jesus, we will rejoice on that day because God will establish and accomplish his ultimate victory forever and ever. But also there's another side to that glorious truth, beloved, is that for us who are in Christ Jesus, we know that we were God's enemies. He had noted our wickedness. and He's shown us grace. Grace in his son, Jesus Christ, he has forgiven us. He had taken our sins, and he had noted them down, he had written them in his book, but in Christ Jesus, he promised that he will blot them out of his book. And though he, they were ever before him, our sins, your sins, he said, he promised, I will remember them no more. And for all of us, all mankind, that is, the, the those are the two options, beloved. We are either faced with the option of submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing our sins to him, finding forgiveness in him, or awaiting God's ultimate and perfect vengeance to be measured out to us. But in this particular case, it was Saul who was to bring the people of Israel and to carry out this vengeance upon Amalek. And so Saul summoned the people, they gathered together, and they went into battle. And Saul first engages in a righteous distinction. God had commanded Saul to destroy Amalek, but there appeared to be two groups of people, the Amalekites and the Kenites. We don't know much about the Kenites in God's word, but they were both from the same general area, Amalek and the Kenites, but where Amalek was cruel to the Israelites, the Kenites were kind. And so Saul in wisdom, makes a righteous distinction, and he goes to the Kenites, and he says, separate yourself from Amalek, lest we destroy you along with them. And they, they leave. He shows this kind distinction. But then he engages in an unrighteous distinction. So all the people go, they defeat the Amalekites, But instead of doing what God had commanded in in destroying all of them, killing every man, woman, child, infant, every animal, they kept the best and destroyed the rest. Saul took Agag, the king, the best of the people, but he devoted the rest to destruction. And the people, they went through, they sorted, they selected, they said, we're going to keep the best and we're going to destroy the rest. And this thing displeased the Lord. And the Lord came to Saul, Samuel and he said, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And that word regret, the Lord regretted, I think uh, it's there's been a lot of Things written about it a lot of confusion a good way to think about this i believe is how some translations have it that the lord said i gr- i am grieved that i made saul king and and samuel was also affected samuel was angry and he cried out to the lord all night well we just saw this in our psalm uh, psalm 50 Do not think for a moment that God is not affected by your sin and mine. It angers him. It grieves him. And for us, as he draws us close to himself, as he gives us his spirit, the spirit that can be grieved, as Paul said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption, as we have that spirit within us, as we grow to love what he loves and hate what he hates, it affects us too, as it did for Samuel. We are rightfully angered by sin, rightfully grieved by the destruction that it brings. This is the work of the Lord because it matters to the Lord and he causes it to matter to us. And so Samuel was tasked with then confronting Saul. And after a little bit of a search, he finds Saul at Gilgal. And this is a textbook case of the blindness of sin that is all part of us as in our natural selves. And Samuel shows up and Saul runs up to him, it seems, And Saul says, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel's response is classic. Absolutely classic. What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and lowing of oxen? I think we have a different understanding of what God asks you to do. Because I hear the sheep. I hear the oxen. What is that? And so Saul gives his answer. And again, this is in repentance, in confession, pay attention to the pronouns. Pay attention to your own pronouns when you confess something. Notice what Saul says. They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have devoted to destruction it was the people who did it they did it we i'm part of that we 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 devoted the rest of destruction and samuel just says stop just stop with the excuses just stop talking he says let me tell you let me tell you what the lord said to me last night He said, you are little in your own eyes, but do you understand? You are the king of Israel. Why are you talking about the people? You are the king. The Lord anointed you king. The Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devote them to destruction. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? You are the king. You're responsible for this. And still in the blindness of his sin, Saul can't see it and he can't humble himself before the Lord and he says, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Listen to the excuses. I obeyed the voice of the Lord. I went on the mission which the Lord sent me. I brought Agag, the king, but I devoted the Amalekites. The command was for the Amalekites. I I devoted the Amalekites. I just kept Agag. The people took of the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things, to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. That's why it was, for a good reason, sacrifice. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Beloved brothers and sisters, has the Lord... As much delight in your outward obedience and the words coming out of your mouth as He does in obeying the voice of the Lord. He is not appeased by outward acts as cheap substitutes. He wants our heart and our mind and our will. He wants us to know Him truly. And in knowing Him, knowing who this God is that we stand before, to tremble before His Word, to obey it without question, to not make excuses or cheap offer cheap appeasements so that we can do what we want as, as it's been put. With, uh, with respect to this statement of Samuel, in sacrifices, man only offers the strange flesh of irrational animals. But in obedience, he offers his own will, which is rational or spiritual worship. And notice that the Almighty God does not negotiate. There's no, there's no curve to this. He doesn't say, well... Okay, I, I understand what's going on here. They're, they tried their best. You know, the, their heart was in the right place. They wanted to honor me with sacrifices. Brothers and sisters, know this. When we disobey the Almighty God, for whatever reason, our heart, our mind, our will is not in the right place. The right place is in Christ Jesus and in obedience to God's revealed will to us. Because listen to what Samuel says, verse 23. He says, For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Now, uh, most of us here know understand the, the wickedness of idolatry or divination, witchcraft, sorcery, fortune telling, all those things, what Samuel says is that rebellion is just as bad. It's divination. Presumption, presuming upon the Lord, that's that's idolatry. Well, how could that be the case? Well, how could that be the case? Well, I will tell you, when we have been confronted with God's word, with God's command, and we choose to do something else. We choose, for whatever our reason, God is not our God. We are not seeking wisdom from God. We are not seeking counsel and our way of life from God. We are seeking another God altogether. We, it is divination, and the God is ourselves our own reason, our own will. When we tamper, when we twist, when we minimize, when we pick and choose, when we ignore this, beloved, is wickedness. And there's no way to squirm out of it. Beloved, have you learned to submit yourself wholeheartedly to the authority of our God, and are you worshiping God as God with your mind? Have you given Him your mind, your reason, and your heart? From that will flow your will. It's. Uh, it says uh, the centurion said to the Lord Jesus Christ, "We we must become men and women under authority." And this is the true fruit of faith. Beloved, because in faith we know who, who God is. We, we understand that he is the creator, he is the high king, he is the sovereign. And who we are, we are his mere creatures, created to serve and adore and appraise him. And we put ourselves in the proper place and we obey him without question. We tremble before him. Beloved, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just some feel-good story. It is, and it's not just a set of ethical guidelines for us to follow. It is a call to allegiance and obedience to God himself. That must be our non-negotiable. And at this point, typically what we do is we give ourselves a theological out. And we say, well, hold on, none of us are perfect. We're all sinners in the sight of God. You know, we all sin. And that's absolutely true. But that's not what this is talking about. Or some of us might say, well, hold on, there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. We just read that from Romans chapter 8. Now you're talking about obedience and how that is necessary. That's also correct. But we need to ask the question, what does it mean for us to be in Christ Jesus? Or we might say, well, hold on, there's, you know, some of us are struggling with these great sins, and we're, we're, we're just mastered by them, and we're, we're trying, and by God's grace, we're, we're, we're gaining small victories, but... That's also not what we're talking about. That's also a very important truth. Every one of us, I I would say, in Christ Jesus will struggle to put to death the sins which so easily entangle us, which are clinging to us. We need to fight. We will fight. But that's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about is how do you respond to the clear commands of God that you hear and you understand? Are you obeying them, submitting yourself to them because they're from God? Are you making excuses? Saul's command, the command to Saul was clear and explicit. He knew what he was being told. It was a clear instruction. And he disobeyed it. He picked something else. What about you? What about me? Do we confuse ourselves? Do we... Let other non-negotiables push obedience out of the way. Beloved, to do so, for whatever reason, is prideful rebellion against our God. Beloved, do not trifle with this. And even as I say that, I know that every one of us here, myself included, trifle with this. We pay fast and loose with the commandments of our God. Because, like we just read in Psalm 50, we think God is just like us. He hasn't done anything yet. He's not going to do anything. he He's going to show us grace. He is. But understand this, beloved, that Jesus Christ is not your Savior if He is not your Lord. Or let me put it another way. He is not your high priest if He is not your King. And that is important because as priest he offered himself as a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice that is the means by which we are free of the guilt of our sin that is our hope that we are pardoned and made right in his sight but we are pardoned and set free so that we could live for him he transfers us from a kingdom to his kingdom so that we would bow before him and Obey Him as our King. And the gospel message, beloved, is that in humility, we submit ourselves to God and we lay aside that rebellion and that pride and we hide ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ who has offered Himself for us so that we might be free of that guilt free of that coming vengeance. But then we walk in Him. And beloved, if you know that you have been a rebel and, a, and treasonous against the Almighty God with your heart or your mind, repent. Repent of it. Lay aside that rebellion. Hide yourself in Christ. Return to the Lord. Confess your sins to the Lord. Repent of it. Ask Him to forgive you. And He promises that He will. (laughs) Because Jesus has been perfect in His obedience which led Him to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. But to be in Him, beloved, is to submit to Him. And to love Him is to obey Him. That's what Jesus said. If you love Me, you will obey My commandments. We must walk in the obedience of faith. That is the non-negotiable of our lives. But we also have to understand, it's not at the expense of everything else. But God's rule covers every aspect of our lives. Our work, our families, our peace, our freedom. He governs and controls. We have a new king a new master. Well, confronted with this, the only real response is repentance. And Saul says words that look like confession, but it's not true, conf- true repentance. God's word defines for us true repentance and says there is such a thing as worldly sorrow and such a thing as godly sorrow and only godly sorrow, is true repentance. And what he says of true repentance is, is that it is authentic, heartfelt, it is toward God, it is grieving for sin, there's no excuses with an attempt to restore the brokenness of relationships. And God accepts, God will always accept true godly repentance but in this passage neither samuel nor the lord accepted saul's repentance they rejected him because the repentance was not authentic which there's a severe warning for us beloved and that principle is this god will always forgive If we truly repent but there can come a point where our hearts are so hardened that we will not repent and that is a dangerous place to be in the the book pilgrim's progress the great christian allegory written by john bunyan the the man christian finds in his in his in his pilgrimage he finds this man locked in this iron cage with no way of escape And Christian says, well, how did you come to be in this iron cage? The man said this, I laid the reins on the neck of my lusts. I sinned against the light of the word and the goodness of God. I grieved the spirit and he is gone. I tempted the devil and he came to me. I provoked God to anger and he left me. I hardened my heart so that I cannot repent. Brothers and sisters, may this never be said of us. May this never be said of you. God has given you such a wonderful gift in giving you his word and allowing you to sit under the preached word of God and hearing his voice speak to you by his spirit. Soften your heart to him. Do not harden your heart. Repent of your disobedience, turn to him and he will heal you and he will draw you close. Well, in this particular case, Samuel turned to leave Saul and Saul grabbed the hem of his robe and it tore. And the Lord is not without a sense of irony. Because in in the book of Numbers, Of all places, God gave the Israelites this instruction that they were to sew tassels onto the bottom of all their garments. And the reason for the tassel was this so that they would look at the tassels and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them and not follow after your own heart and your own eyes. It was a visual reminder that they were to remember the commandments of the Lord. And here, Saul pulls on the robe, and no doubt he tore off one of those tassels for the very purpose that you would not follow after your own heart and your own eyes. And as he's looking at that tassel, Samuel says to him, so the kingdom has been torn from you. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, the Lord has rejected you as king. Is done. And he pronounced that judgment, and yet the judgment wasn't yet complete. There was one more task to be done. Because Agag, king of the Amalekites, was still alive. And so Samuel turned and he said, bring Agag to me. We don't know where Agag was during all this. Maybe he was hearing this whole conversation. He saw the rejection of Samuel. But it says that he came cheerfully. That he, he thought, surely the bitterness of death was past. But no such luck. Because Samuel, acting as the righteous king, turned to him and he said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And he hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. And there's a warning for us there too, beloved, in that God's will will be done, even in the midst of our disobedience. We are called to be obedient to him, but God's will will never be If we fail to obey the word of the Lord, God will raise up someone who is better than us and he will accomplish his purposes, which is glorious. And in fact, he has raised up somebody better than us. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who is not just better than us, but the most excellent of men. A perfect man, perfect in every way, perfectly obedient in thought, in word, in word, and indeed, and rather than just offer a cheap sacrifice, a cheap uh, substitute for obedience by offering a sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, His obedience was perfect. In sacrifice, He was obedient, even to death, even death on a cross. But His obedience isn't yet done. It's not complete. Because there will come a day where he comes again and he brings about this perfect vengeance, the the holy violence, the destruction of God's enemies. We await that day, beloved. But our salvation even now compels us to submit ourselves to him. And let this obedience of faith drive us to submit ourselves to Him by the power of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ who works within us. Oh beloved, please do not simply offer to God your mere outward words or your mere outward works. Give Him your heart. Give Him your mind. Give Him your will. Submit yourself wholly to Him. Let Christ rule in your heart as the absolute monarch Make this your non-negotiable. The unquestioned authority in your life. And see, beloved, if the blessed reward that he promises is not far greater than when everything we could ask or imagine. He is faithful. He will surely do it. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your grace, which is at times severe and pointed. We thank you that you are a God who seeks after your people and rescues us from danger, from you waken up those who are slothful and idle, who are at times asleep in the light. Oh Lord, help us to love you with singleness of mind, with the purity of heart. Help us to glorify you in our lives, and may all the world see your glory shine through us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.